Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. This is part B. I want to tell you a little story here, and I think most of you have heard this little story. It's the very first recorded story of gossip. There certainly can be assumed gossip that took place before the flood. Things were a big mess. But there's no record of it. The first record of gossip took place after Noah and his boys got off the ark and Noah began immediately once the water level went down he began immediately to to plant vineyards and he planted these vineyards began to gather the grapes from these vineyards and can you can only imagine how excited he was you know after what he had gone through for a hundred years building this big boat and having to get two of every kind on it and you know I can't even imagine the work that took place to put that ark together and then to get off the ark after he had to wait for God only knows how long to have the water drain and take the animals down the mountainside and begin to start farming well he got drunk on those grapes and as he was laying in his tent he purposed to be naked as the Hebrew says so whatever his purpose was to be naked whether it was for his beloved wife or whether he was just hot I don't know but I know he was naked and a particular son by the name of Ham walks into his father's tent without permission and he sees his father naked he quickly comes out of the tent and reports to his brothers his father's defilement now that is your first recorded Hebrew style gossip he sold his father's sin, defilement to the enemy. It's where the Hebrews get this. The two other brothers, Shem and Japheth, they grab a piece of cloth. Now in the Hebrew, you can look it up yourself. If you have Strong's Concordance, you look at the number, you're going to get the modern Hebrew. You'll get a little bit of the picture there but it's in pictorial Hebrew that you actually find the definition of the word used in that passage means remnant. That cloth was a remnant, which was probably his Hebrew remnant. 
These boys throw this remnant over their left shoulder, and I can do a whole message on the left shoulder in Hebrew customs, but I won't right now. They throw it over their left shoulder, and they back in together, and they back in in such a way that they're looking somewhere else, so they could not see the nakedness of their father. They took the remnant, and they covered his nakedness. That remnant is the symbol of the remnant of Israel. God gave Noah a mission to establish a new lineage, a pure bloodline of God's lineage, and he will introduce the law to these people when it was time to do so. Ham raped him of that opportunity. People think that Ham got a bum consequence out of this. Why was he cursed and all the generations after him for simply finding his dad naked? It is far more of a violation that Ham did than just saying it like that. The nakedness of a man is the consequences of Satan turning and taking the purity of nakedness and making it sin. God immediately covered Adam and Eve's sin. And from that clothing, they were commanded through the generations to maintain their purity and keeping themselves covered. Now, to have Noah uncovered was a great violation for his sons to see him in such a condition. The issue was not drunkenness. The issue was nakedness. And that remnant is to cover. It is the symbol of Jesus Christ covering our sins. That is what those boys did. They literally demonstrate the remnant that covers, that covers the sins of mankind and not looking upon them. This is so incredibly important for you to understand why gossip is selling a sinner to the devil. So when he woke up and he figured out very quickly what had happened, he pulls his his youngest son aside, Ham, and he curses him and all of his generations to come. For those of you who are a little bit ignorant to Hebrew history, remember this. Ham is considered the father of Babylon. The Babylonians are considered the father of the Islamic nation. Now you put the pieces together. The consequences of what Ham did are in the news today. Now we have Shem, the eldest, who is obviously going to get the greatest gem 
of his father. And that was Israel. That was the pure bloodline. And so Noah says to Shem as the eldest, who is supposed to inherit, and who did the right thing as the eldest, and he did not do as his little brother did, if you go back through his generations a bit, when you had this problem between Cain and Abel, and the eldest son pretty much destroyed his inheritance, See, this was a fresh start. Shem did the right thing as the eldest. He covered his father's sin with the remnant of Israel. Now, he says to Shem, here's what your promise is. He even says it's from the living God. And then he says to the middle child, Japheth, who is considered the father of the Europeans. Japheth is the father of the Gentiles. Shem is the father of the authentic Jews. And Ham is the father of the replicated Jews. The sons of Ishmael. And so he says to Japheth that you shall serve in your brother's tent peacefully. Japheth is the symbol of us born-again Christians given the privilege to live, serve, and indwell the tents of Shem. We are grafted into that bloodline. Our stories being told here in this story of Noah, the first reported episode of gossip, and the generational consequences of those who do it. 602 292 Let's look at our next slide. We have to look at the information itself. Gospers speak of the faults and the failings of others. They reveal potentially embarrassing and shameful details regarding the lives of others without their knowledge or approval, proving that they are their own authority and have no intention of honoring the lives of others, let alone following biblical guidelines. So now someone was actually running around the neighborhood and they were telling the neighborhood of all of your positive qualities how fast would that get around town? It would probably stop at your neighbor's house. So you do see the infection, the virus, the depravity that is built inside gossip. There is a gracious reason why there are over 600 references to gossip. There's a reason. The stories of the Old Testament and the New Testament are filled with dishonoring people, particularly authorities, which in the Hebrew, you're not going to find this in the English to do your word study. It's in the Hebrew. 
The Hebrew words that describe dishonor or selling a family member is numerous and it almost weaves itself into every single story in the Bible. It is at the core, the root of evil. You see, when James chapter 3, it talks about those who brag about their wisdom and they have the right story and they have the right to talk like this. And James refers to this group as, for your wisdom is not which comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, and demonic. And from demonic wisdom, every form of chaos exists. The Hebrew definition of gossip is in that passage as James was writing that passage for the Lord. Chaos. A gossiper is a man that is from chaos. And here in this passage in James, it is talking about that every kind of chaos and every evil thing will be birthed through this kind of demonic wisdom. You gossipers that are running around making excuses for why you're saying what you're saying, unless you have that victim's permission to do it, you are of evil. That's the facts. And all of you Christians that are running around when you're really Christ followers and you're sharing prayer requests about people, you are gossipers. Sharing prayer requests about someone's intimate needs is gossip. It's infectious. And if you come off with some kind of Wisdom that explains what it is you're doing if you are violating the structure, infrastructure that God has put in place to protect you from being a gossiper. If you're violating that, I'm sorry, you are falling in the category of demonic wisdom. 602 292 2982. Now from the steps that we have listed out for us in Matthew 18, I'm going to quickly read the verse again to you for our new listeners. It says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault publicly. Put it on the radio. Put it in a brochure. Put it in a letter. Shout it out on top of your house. Tell it to your neighbor. Share with all the ladies at your coffee clutch. No, that is not what it says. It says, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church, not to KKYZ. That's a radio station I just made up. You see, it is to tell it to the church, not to your neighbor. 
not on your Facebook page. Even Facebook corporate leaders say that their own corporation is the root and core, internationally, globally, the root and core for all gossip. Politically, personally, spiritually, whatever. They admit it, that they are the link to gossip. I pray for you, Mark. That is one of the most evil, arrogant things to brag about. But there's a lot of people using Facebook for this. Satan knows what he's doing. And that whole bondage that comes with gospers, Satan knows that God is obligated to do what I'm about to share with you. He knows it. So if he can get a system in place through internet or through your neighborhood, or it used to be you not yet to wait for your coffee clutch time to tell you know your neighbor that they're going to go tell their five neighbors and so forth and so on. That it doesn't work that way anymore. They just go to Facebook and post it. And parents are learning about their children and grandchildren, the hellish relationships they're involved with, and blah, blah, blah. Why? Because it is the bulletin board for the entire world. We're in trouble. There's no honor in this anymore. So number one, you go to them in private. Number two, if they do not listen, you take one or two more witnesses. This is not a witness who you've gossiped about so you can bring them because they're a witness now. No, these are two witnesses that have seen this brother sin. Yeah, how often do you have that? Number three, if he or she refuses to listen, tell it to the church. Why? Because church leaders are obligated to submit to this passage. It is a regulatory method given to the church for dealing with someone's sin. And the key here, if you remember from last week, is it is automatically determined before you start this process that they are a born-again, indwelt Christian. Because if they're not fruitless, you will not be having this meeting. This is for brothers. It is not for you to go and confront an unbeliever because the persecution, distresses, and difficulties for Christ's sake, what they do to you is going to benefit you in working out your salvation. This is if a brother has sinned. Number four, if he, she still refuses to listen, then and only then separate yourself from them. Number five, the gospel assumes and embraces the dispute in isolation. Number six, the gospel avoids biblical guidelines to protect their own secrets. Number seven, the gospel runs to others 
to validate the dispute. The victim is still clueless, by the way. And number eight, the gossiper seeks liberal counsel that support their violation of the scriptural guidelines. Now, if any spiritual Christian, indwelt Christian, whatever it is you want to label them, is worth their salt, they're going to follow Matthew 18. They're not going to step outside that guideline. So if this gossiper is seeking out counsel, they better make sure it's a counselor, a spiritual person of the millennial Jesus. You see, the millennial Jesus is kind of whatever. You have rights. You could sue them. That's the kind of stuff they're going to get from a liberal spiritual advisor. But if the advisor says, hold on just a minute here. Here's how we're going to do this. Number one, I need to know if you know that they are a believer in Christ. Well, I don't know. Okay, our discussion is over. Now, if they say, yeah, I I think they're a Christian, then the next question comes is, I need to make sure that you have two confessing witnesses that they saw this with their eyes. Heard it with their ears. Well, well, you know, I I heard. I I heard from someone. And that's what happens is it goes subjective. But if they do have two witnesses, the spiritual advisor goes to the next step. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to go to this person privately. And you're going to gently appeal to them to try to win them over to repentance. Don't convince them of their sin. Just simply appeal to them. If that doesn't work, come back and see me. And so it doesn't work and, you know, the gospel goes back and, you know, or vice versa. Doesn't matter. She's the gospers that are seeking liberal counsel. And they say it didn't work and whatever. This is when the spiritual advisor goes and says, you and I will go speak to your church authority, which should have been done in the beginning, but typically they seek out counsel. Their hope and matches how they feel. But the leader takes it to the leader who's truly responsible for this passage. They hear the whole story and they decide to go as a church. Because it's only the church leaders that have the power and ability to turn this person over to being as a tax gatherer or a Gentile, which both in the Greek are symbolic as unbelievers. Then you can isolate them. Because if they're qualified as an unbeliever, the meeting's over. There's no proving sin. There's no making him feel guilty. There's no beating him with condemnation. The meeting's over. Our church just turned him over as an unbeliever. 
See, this is a healing process for brothers and sisters in Christ. Very important to remember. Number nine, the gospel feels compelled to gather a host of others to support them in the dispute. More the merrier. That's why it's called gossip. Gosper begins to feel isolated from the victim, who, still clueless by the way, and starts the protection cycle, increasing their support base. It's how wars are, are, are fought. Literally. And then number 11, the gossiper feels isolated by God and pins it on the victim, who remains clueless. They're not going to embrace guilt. Number 12, the life and reputation of the victim is oftentimes ruined. And they're still clueless. Number 13, the gospel discovers a sense of justification for their violation and continues. Vengeance is very sweet. And if they have a sweet tooth, there's hell to pay. Number 14, ultimately the secrets of the gospel are revealed publicly. If you hang in there long enough, their greatest fear shall come upon them. Things will start moving in such a way because God's in control and it'll backfire on them. It's time to move, honey. That's what happens. They escape the situation oftentimes by permanent acts of isolation. Thus trying to avoid number 15, and that is their gossip indicts them. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. It will indict them. If not here on earth, if they get away from it, it will not, they will not be able to get away from it from the living God. So here we're embracing Paul's words to Timothy. This was our passage that we read earlier. Gospers disregard honor. So gospers disregard double honor. And leaders are the ones that are supposed to get the double honor. It's not just typical honor. It is double honor. When you look in the Greek for double honor, it is like stacking up what you would give to one person and another person, that's what you give your leaders. But to see if you're a person of dishonor, zero plus zero is zero. And that's what happens. Studies show that most gossip is against those who are in authority over others, bosses, pastors, government leaders, and father figures. As far as the ramifications that are basically upon the authority figures, the attempt is to muzzle their preaching and teaching of the gospel. It's in our passage, which suppresses the Holy Spirit, and in the Greek that is classified as blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit for those of you who are Bible lovers, you understand it's the unpardonable sin. 
I'd love a 602-292-2982 because the Grace Holistic Movement typically preaches there is no such thing as the unpardonable sin. I have a few verses to cover with you. Because God can do what God wants to do. If he had you once in the book of life and decides to erase you from the book of life, Revelations 21, that's his prerogative. I oftentimes wonder, and believe me, it's shutting my mouth more than ever before as well since doing this study, but I oftentimes wonder what happens to an addictive, compulsive gossiper who can't stop. 602-292-2982. Gossipers, me included, must learn to embrace this passage. You can muzzle your neighbor, but if your neighbor is a preacher of the gospel, I am speaking out of 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. If you're gossiping about your neighbor and they are not a preacher, you just might get away with it. But if you're gossiping about a preacher and a teacher of the gospel, as stated in this passage, you might want to button down your windows. Because consequences are going to roll in on someone who is being gossiped about, who God himself says they must have double honor. Why double honor? To preserve the open door of not muzzling that preacher and teacher from releasing the word through them. It's not because they're holier than the neighbor. It's because they've been set aside as a preacher and a teacher. Be careful about the leaders you curse with your word. We want to thank you for joining us today. We're still not done. We're going to continue, hopefully finish up this topic next week. And then we're going to start another little tiny series on betrayal, the kiss of Judas. I'm really looking forward to that because betrayal is what comes out of gossip. Today I just gave Jane the first half of the booklet which is called, what again, honey? Oh my God, my child is a millennialist. And what that is, when I heard one of our, our best friends basically say that today, well, I heard it through Jane, I sat there and I went, because I've been asking the Lord and my wife, what is the next booklet? title supposed to be. And I want them all to flow into each other from the Hebrew. So I wanted to do this whole thing about how this is affecting family life and children betraying their parents and, you know, the stuff that Jesus talked about. So that's the title that came to be is, oh my God, it's a very, very popular trending phrase. So I'm going to use it because our friend is saying, Oh my Lord, God, what has happened to my children? So we're going to go through a little mini-series on that. Who knows what's after that? So thank you for joining us, and we will pick up 
on our next podcast. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.